Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It was good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service, and it felt weird just just recording once last week, but I had a little bit of an audience. I do appreciate that because it's weird preaching to an empty room, well, except for Melissa. It's it's, it's weird, but uh, of course I can't I re- can't record at home. That just feels wrong, so I just come here and, and record it. And I thank uh, Sister. Virginia and Brother Artis for, for helping me do that and be here in attendance. But this morning, definitely glad that everyone is back out. All the slickness is all gone. Definitely, we're past all that. But uh, this morning, I want us to dive into Colossians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, be opening there with me to Colossians chapter 3. There's some wonderful teachings. Uh, it has one of my favorite verses in this. Uh, of course, as we step through it. Paul is reassuring us to know that we know we have to live in the world. We have to be in amongst the, the tares. You know, we, if we continue, must be wheat. As we continue to still be wheat, uh, we'll be gathered together in the barns and that parable of wheat and tares. But here, Paul, he brings a point home. Especially in my case. I'll, I'll be a little selfish here. He, re- he really hits home with me. And I'm, I'm thankful he does. Uh, previous to this, as we back up to get a little bit of the context of what he's talking about, Colossians chapter 2, we're going to start reading in the 16th verse. <clears throat> so let no one judge you in food or drink, in regardance of festival and new moon or Sabbaths, which are, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding to those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from, from whom all the body nourished and knit together and by joints and ligaments grows without the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ and the basic principles of the world, why, as those living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle with all concerned things which which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If then, in chapter 3, verse 1, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And let's stop right there in verse 8. So as Paul drives a point here, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Do we think about heaven enough? Do we think about our destination or our, our preparedness of our lives and our everyday walk of life? We made a mention this morning in Bible class about 
being prepared. Being ready for tomorrow because tomorrow may not be there. The reason why I say that. When we prepare ourselves spiritually to have that conversation with God, it's going to be better if we prepare ourselves. If we were raised with Christ, that is, we've given up the world, no longer of false humility, false teachings, of false worship, of things of men, we cast those things out as Christians. We had better. When we look to God in our everyday walk of life, we dive into His Scriptures and we learn the things that would have us to learn. That is what it means to be raised with Christ, to be a Christian, and to perform our everyday walks of life, to be pleasing to God. Where we're going to set our minds. Where we're going to set our, our intentions. What's our motivation or everyday walk of life going to be? Ourselves? Of course not. It's going to be to please, to please God, to please our Heavenly Father. Seek those things which are above. We have a wonderful had a wonderful lesson about the term seek. Remember that term seek? Seek is to look for something and you ain't going to stop until you find it. I remember the example that I used in that lesson. I think it was on a Wednesday night. I took my truck keys out of my pocket and, and tossed them behind me. I didn't see where they went. I heard them clink, clink, and that was it. And then there they sat. If I don't seek those keys, I'm not going to drive the vehicle home. I'd have to call somebody to come get me. And the person who would have, would have, who would have come to get me was sitting in the audience. Well, it's not both needed those truck keys to get home. That's what the term seek means, to go find them until I have them in my hands. Seek those things which are above. Put that into perspective. Put that into perspective in your life to seek those things which are above. Seek heavenly things. Can we do that while we're here upon earth? Most assuredly. We have a foreshadowing of things to come, as Paul made mention in chapter 2. Examples of how we show love for one another. How we're teaching the lost to what they need to do to be saved. That's a foreshadowing of things to come. Well, God Himself will be with us in heaven if and only if our names are written in that book of life as we learn in Revelation. Ooh, that S just about tipped that up. That's a habit to break right there. If we are found faithful. So we think about this. What are we seeking in our everyday walk of life? I seriously hope it's God. I seriously hope that it's heaven. Our actions in our everyday walk of life are going to prove that. And we'll have to give an account of those things as we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. As we learn in verse 1 of chapter 3, Christ is already there, which we already knew that, as He ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 2. Those men gazing up into the heavens and those two men in the wide apparel because why ye men of Galilee staring up into heaven? Don't you know this same Jesus is going to come back? He's ascended into heaven. He ain't here no more. He's waiting for His return. When God says, I'm done, go get them. That day's come. This great day that we sing about. Unfortunately, it's going to be a sad day as well. When that sinner hears his, hears his doom, depart, I know you not. 
If we're seeking God, if we're seeking heavenly things while we're here upon this earth, we're not going to hear those words. Depart, I know you not. Them some sad words. You ever had sad news before? I've, I've received sad news not too long ago. A friend of ours, uh, mom, had passed away. There's nothing like losing a mother. Well, we had that discussion actually last uh, Bible class about relationship with, with a mother and her children. That was sad news. It didn't, didn't affect me, but it did in a matter of speaking for feeling his grief, if that makes any sense. Sad news is kind of hard to bear sometimes, is it not? But while we're here upon this earth, we must press on dealing with that bad news. With that bad news on Judgment Day, there's no really dealing with it. When you hear that bad news, depart from me, I know ye not, for that sinner will hear his doom. <laughs> and that doom is for an eternity. And that's where that greater condemnation that we talk about so often. Now we'd like to think about that. The heat's going to be hotter, and no, it's still going to be just a lake of fire. But that thought of knowing that you had a chance to not be there in that lake of fire. Having to endure all of that pain and suffering to think, why did I do what I did? Why did I just come to God and seek heavenly things? Why did I just perform my life that was pleasing to God and not have to be ensued in this horrible destination? If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. And that term, if, that's such a strong word. It's a little two-letter word, right? But it is so strong. So strong. Now why is a two-letter word so strong? Because it relies on choice. It's the choices that we make. If you were raised with Christ. It does not say, God's just going to save you. That's not what it says now, does it? If you were raised with Christ, which means immersion. It says, wait a minute, this means nothing about baptism. It, does, it, it implies it. If then you were raised with Christ. Okay, we have to use context in the entire New Testament to know that baptism is essential for salvation. That's how you wash your sins away. That's how you come in contact with the blood of Christ. And that's how you come in contact to be able to commune with God. The New Testament teaches that. We can't cast off those teachings because it doesn't say it here. If then you were raised with Christ. If you are a child of God. If, if, if. Choice. Choice in our everyday walk of life. This morning, I want you to look at yourself. Now as Christ comes right now, were you ready? Were you ready? Because if you're not immersed into Him, if you haven't put Him on through baptism, if you haven't washed your sins away, you're going to have to be condemned because of those sins. Not washed away. That's the only thing that can wash our sins away is we learned in Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats can't wash sins away only the blood of Christ in our Bible reading of Hebrews chapter 9. So now we think about this. When we're raised with Christ, we make the decision to come to Him and we are seeking those things which are above. So that means to tell me that baptism is our start and our walk for the rest of our life is our finishing. For Jesus Christ is, our, is the author and finisher of our faith. 
where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So we also learn in Hebrews 9 that He makes intercession for us. He has our contact to God. While He was still living, did He not say, no one comes to the Father except through or by Me? He said that. Christ isn't a liar. He didn't make things up. He was teaching us something specific. When we do refuse to come to Him, He will refuse us on Judgment Day. He will refuse us throughout our lives as communicating our petitions to God. That's sad. We look at the world and how much full of iniquity it is. I wish it was all gone. I wish there was no iniquity in the world. I wish everyone in the world was a Christian. What a wonderful place it would be. Wouldn't it? How many locks on your doors would there be in the world if everyone was a child of God? There'd be no need for it. But unfortunately, we live in a sinful world. We live, a wor- we, live, we live in a world that has been corrupted of the devil. We know the outcome of the old devil. We need to remember that as well. For the outcome of the devil, his place has been reserved in that lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 tells us designed for Satan and the false prophets to be the, the, those fallen angels who went with cry of God. Uh, let me get it right. Who went with Satan who refused to be under the tutelage of God or let God be their father. That great rebellion, and they was cast out. And they have no, they have no opportunity of repentance. Their, seat is, their fate is sealed. So why would we not set our mind on things above? I don't know why the world refuses to come to Christ. I understand the reasoning, but think about it. Why? All these things that are that are being argued about or fought about or, or the reason is not coming to Christ, these are all temporal. Well, this world will be gone one day. Well, the elements themselves will melt with a fervent heat, Peter teaches. Set your mind on things above, in verse 2, not on things on the earth. So as we set our mind on heavenly things, our, our, our means, our motivation, the things that, that they were put first and focused on our, on our lives are going to be heavenly things, not things of the earth. We put things upon the earth before God, it becomes our idol. We've been warned against idol worship. It's displeasing in the eyes of God. Your couch may very well be your idol. Huh? How is that possible? My couch being my idol? I don't worship a couch. Uh, did you refuse to come to God this morning and worship? Did you choose to stay in your house and refuse to meet with the saints? We also learned that in Hebrews 10 verse 25. Not a sin of the saints, but we need to stir up love. When we meet with one another, we're all encouraged off one another and we continue to grow. When we set, on th- set our minds on things of the earth, that's going to be sad on that great day. We need to remember to set our minds on earth, heavenly things, not earthly things. Because heavenly things, set things above, they're going to last forever. 
For Christ, did He not promise everlasting life? Did He not promise a place where there is no pain and suffering? John writes about that very vividly in Revelation chapter 21. What a wonderful place it's going to be where God's going to wipe away all tears. No, you're right, Brother Mark, no sorrow, no pain and suffering. How many of us this morning woke up with pain and sufferings? Well, yeah. Yes. That'll be all gone. No sufferings. What a wonderful place. Now, the opposite of that, the, the, the wrath that we speak about down here in verse 6 that we're going to get to, time willing, we learn about God's wrath. Uh, that God's wrath is that place that's designed for Satan, which is the second death we learn in Revelation 21.8. Set your mind on things above, not on things above of the earth. I didn't say being a Christian was going to be easy. I will not say that. For it's difficult following God. It's difficult. For we live in a way we live in a world full of sin and iniquity that's trying to pull us away and get our mind and our focuses off of God. Cast those concerns out of your mind. Let it not be first. Let it not be last, nor anywhere in the middle. Set your mind on things above. Well, then first off, we need to find out what where do we find things above in your Bibles. As we've opened up to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. That's where you're going to find about heaven. That's where you're going to find about destinations, preparedness, and your walk of life leading to this place, one or the other. Being a Christian, we refer to as dying in verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. <laughs> so wait a minute, what are you talking about? My, my life is hidden with Christ? Does, does uh, Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 talk about God being able to save me? And one with hands not shortened or his ears heavy that he cannot hear, but our sins and our iniquities separates us from God that his eyes cannot see nor his ears hear? It's what it teaches, right? So how am I hidden with Christ and God? God sees you through a veil. For whenever you're behind the veil that is Christ's blood, you're covered. But, but, whenever you decide to walk outside of the parameters of God, you step outside of that veil, and your iniquities and your sins are revealed. So how do I get back behind that veil? How do I get back to where I'm hidden as... as a child of God. How do I do that? By repenting, by confessing, and praying as a child of God after baptism, putting Christ on, because you were once hidden through the veil behind the veil of Christ, that is Christ's blood, and then you became known. So repentance needs to happen. Confession needs to happen. And prayer must happen. And guess what? God restores you, and you're hidden behind that veil once again. Folks, God doesn't give up on you. When, of course, we're going to sin. We're going to fall short after immersion. We're going to do those things. But guess what? God restores us when we ask Him to restore us. <clears throat> That's a loving Father, is it not? He welcomes you to come. He's actually waiting for you to come back. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So what do you mean? I died. I'm still breathing. I'm still here. No, you died to the world. You give up all of its entices. You have a new focus. 
You have something that's motivating you in your everyday walk of life to be faithful to God. Be faithful to a loving Father who is willing to save your soul on judgment day. Judgment day. <clears throat> and in verse 4, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we shall also appear with him in glory. Well, first off, we need to break that verse down. And I'm going to run out of time, so I have to be very quickly. When Christ, who is our life, when you call yourself a Christian, it's no longer you living but Christ. Does that make sense? Because as you are living out your life as the instructions, as per the instructions of God, well, now you are His child. It's no longer Jeremy walking, it's now Christ walking, living in me. Does that make sense? It should. As a child of God, it should motivate us to remain faithful, to have that presence abiding in us. Because you know that separation still does happen when we fall short. <clears throat> when Christ, who is our life, appears. This is when you are found faithful, when Christ comes with His angels and all of His glory to take you home. When you are found in Him, when you are found wearing His name. When Christ, who is our life, appears. That's what that little part of the sentence says. Then, you also will appear with Him in glory. Heaven! When, that, when you live out your life as Christ, and you prepare your life, and your destination is heaven, and you set your mind on heaven, you want nothing to do with this wrath of God to come through the sons of disobedience, you're going to be focused on being a Christian, and you're going to try your very best, your 100% very best, all in to serve your heavenly Father. Period. Not serve Satan. Satan can't promise you nothing. He's condemned. He wants you with him because misery loves company. We know that statement very well. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covenants which is idolatry. So the sins of the world, the things that separate you from God, put to death in your mind, in your body, to have nothing to do with. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience or the children of disobedience. So you mean to tell me there's going to be some folks who are going to be condemned? Yes. The author of everything tells us so. So our lives, the things that we say, the things that we do, the compassion that we have for one another, the love that we have for one another, the same love that Christ had for us. No greater love than, has, than one has for anyone to lay one's life down for his friend. That's, that was our Savior. What type of love do we have for one another? To encourage the lost to repent from their sins? To let them know that this day of judgment is coming? To allow them an opportunity to be prepared just as you are prepared. Well, this comes as a prime opportunity to ask you this question. Are you prepared for this day coming? Are you prepared? Because if you're not prepared, you're going to be in the same boat. Same boat as those children of disobedience. 
If you've not set in your mind on heavenly things, begin to do so. Christ hasn't come yet. Christ has not come yet. For therefore you have a time and opportunity to get right in the eyes of God. And that is immersion. Right? Immersion to even put Christ on in the first place. To be hidden with Him. To get behind that veil. To become a child of God. So you can be raised with Christ. But have you slipped up a little bit? Have you let idolatry kind of wiggle its way in? It's so easy to do, is it not? So easy. So let's kick idolatry to the curb. Let's get right in the eyes of God. Whether it be baptism or repentance this morning through confession and prayer. Do you need prayers to the church? Do you need anything? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?